such things, which I know it's all of you, but you can't all go. Uh, kids choir, cross the hall, out the door, put Miss Karen there, and go, have a good time, be blessed. jump right in. If you have a Bible um, or a Bible app, it's like a thing now, you have to say. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, turn with me or scroll or whatever it is you do, however you get there, to uh, book Matthew, ninth chapter, and we will jump right into verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus is, and, and I realize we're doing Jesus I am statements, and there was no I am statement, but I'm, I'm setting a stage here. Jesus is out doing his thing. He is solidly into public ministry now. And uh, everywhere he goes, he draws a crowd. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, the word he's got now about the miracles he does and the healing and all that. So you have the sick, uh, those with diseases, those with physical afflictions who are just coming out. They're like, Jesus is in town. We got to go see him. Um, but in addition to them, you would have. Because many of them can't get there on, you know, if they're blind, you know, they, they didn't have seeing eye dogs then. So they required other people to help them. Um, or if they were lame, they needed people to carry them. So in addition to those who were afflicted, you had their support system, friends, family, who would come along as well. And then there were just the folks that just, man, I want to go see a show. Let's go, man. Let's see what happens. And, you know, there's some that are like, you know... I don't know if it's a thing or not, but I heard this thing about like bread and fish. Maybe there's like a buffet. I don't know. Let's just go show up and see what happens. And so Jesus is in, in Jesus is looking at these crowds who have come out. And where the disciples, or you and I would look at these crowds, and we would see those who have the physical afflictions, uh, those who have the disease, and, and it's obvious. And you would look at them and you could see the pain. Uh, but Jesus, being God, as we've talked about repeatedly, uh, is looking on these crowds with the eyes and the mind of God. And, and when he sees them, he looks at the total crowd. And he looks at the friends and the family and the pain that they're in on behalf of, of their friend and family member who, who they brought out. He looks on those who just come out to see the show. He's looking on people who look like they have their whole lives put together. You know, they just seem to have everything going on. But he's looking into their hearts, and he can see the, the, the fear, or the doubt, or the envy, or the bitterness, or the jealousy, or the despair that lives there. And he looks on these whole crowds with the eyes of God, and he sees a crowd of lost sheep in need of a shepherd. 
And this is the same view he takes of you and I today. No matter how good you look when you show up to church, no matter how composed you seem to be when you go to your job, God looks on your heart and he knows what lives in there and he looks at you and says, you are a sheep who needs a shepherd. So, of course, we have to, you know, that, that can be a really unflattering comparison. God's saying, you're sheep. I don't know how many of you think sheep and you just go, wow, that is, I, that's very uplifting. <laughs> you know, it's not like he looks at you and I, I see a proud lion in you. No, I see a sheep. <laughs> now, I did, say, like 12 minutes of research into sheep, but the overwhelming, uh, universally agreed upon opinion, except for one, is that sheep are stupid. Now, now this is not the part where God is comparing you to. He's not saying you're stupid like sheep. There's, there's one thing I came across where uh, the author tries to maintain uh, and he's coming more from a sheep behavioralist point of view than like a theological point of view. He's trying to maintain that that sheep are actually quite intelligent. They are up there with like cattle and dogs. And I'm not, you know, I know there's an animal intelligence hierarchy. Um, you know, there's like, um, you know, dogs are up there and like dolphins. I know dolphins are up there. Yeah. And, um, and apparently horses are pretty smart, and uh, I guess cattle are smart, and, and you know, sheep are in there somewhere. Um, Dallas Cowboys fans. <laughs> oh, dude, you show up more regularly. Maybe I don't go there. But it's universally agreed by those who know and hate them, sheep are stupid. But beyond that, there's other things about sheep that when you start to look at who and what sheep are, you, you know, the comparison becomes obvious. For instance, sheep were not made to carry burdens. There's a lot of animals out there, you know, you can put a pack on a horse, on a donkey, on a mule, on a burrow. I, in my mind, they're all the same, but not, I don't know. Um, but you can put a pack on them. Um, you can put a pack on camels, or llamas, or alpacas. Again, they seem to be the same, but not. Uh, but sheep, you'll never see people, we gotta go to town, let's saddle up the sheep. <laughs> um, they're just not meant to carry burdens. Sheep are not meant to carry burdens. Sheep cannot defend themselves. When sheep see a threat on the horizon, they have one option and one option only. And they run. <laughs> not well, not smartly. I imagine, you know the thing in the movie where somebody in panic turns around to run and smacks into like a lamppost? This is how I imagine sheep run in danger. Again, I don't know, but in my mind it's hilarious. Uh, so when confronted with danger, sheep run. <laughs> I did not know this. If sheep fall down, they can't get up on their own. And not only that, apparently sheep can fall down 
and end up on their backs and are like in full-blown turtle mode. I'm not hanging out, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I just about to go against the internet, but I'm not sure that makes it any better. Um, but apparently, if, if sheep end up on their back, they're in full, full turtle mode, and they can die if left on their back. This, this is one of the reasons they be a shepherd, because when they fall down, somebody's got to pick them back up. <laughs> and lastly, sheep are prone to wander. You leave a sheep to his own devices, any field full of food and water, and for no apparent reason whatsoever, a sheep will get lost. <laughs> True story, I can cite you the source. 2006, there is a massive herd of sheep in Turkey being tended to by a massive herd of shepherds. For some reason, even with 12 minutes of research, I myself would not have done this, but these professional shepherds in their professional shepherds union all break for, love, for breakfast at the same time. <laughs> they leave this massive herd of sheep and all go for egg McMuffins. <laughs> or whatever an egg McMuffin is in Turkey. <laughs> Probably still an egg McMuffin. <laughs> Me, I'm going, the new guy, a new guy. We're going to egg McMuffins, you stay here. <laughs> but I want to eat too. Shut up, we'll bring you something. Me. No, they all go. I don't know how long breakfast takes in Turkey, but I figured, you know, they're going for an egg McMuffin. They can't be gone longer than an hour, 90 minutes max. And they come back and are missing 1,500 sheep. <laughs> now, in the best of circumstances, you think they're going, oh man, we're gonna spend all day going through these mountains or hills or fields or valleys or whatever this place looks like, looking for sheep. Oh, this is not the best of circumstances. You see, left to their own, 1,500 sheep, probably about three minutes after these guys are out of sight, 1,500 sheep go over a cliff. And in my mind, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I mean, lemons, they're like rodents or something, right? Lemons are like a rodent. So, I mean, sheep! Like in full blown, ah! <laughs> That's exactly what they sound like. Ah! Now, before it gets too dark and you're thinking, this is horrible, there's an upside. 1,500 sheep went off the cliff, 1,100 survived. <clears throat> it was the last 1,100. The first 400 died horribly. But apparently, a fully coated sheep makes an excellent landing pad. So the first 400, not so lucky. The next 1,100, they're going, that was awesome, let's do it again. <laughs> because sheep are stupid. But do, do you start to see, you start to see beyond stupid, 
And you start to see where some of these comparisons come in. Where Jesus might look at these crowds of people. Where Jesus might look at you and I today and go, these are people in need of a shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, weeks ago, pardon me. Weeks ago, when we first started talking about the series, and uh, I'm looking at the various topics, you know, I'm looking at the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and immediately, where my mind goes, not what you might think, uh, I immediately go to Psalm 23. When I think of a good shepherd, I immediately think, the Lord is my shepherd. And so in looking at Psalm 23, we get some idea about why the good shepherd might be something that each one of us would want to place ourselves under. We might want to say, I am a sheep, and I do need the good shepherd. So, Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. I will never be in lack. I will never need something that is not provided to me. Not, I will have every want and need met. Not, I will get everything I want, but I will never live in lack. People, God's people, all over this world, people outside of the most prosperous nation in the world, who literally live with nothing. People who look at the phrase poverty line and go, what does that mean? People who hear the phrase poverty line and go, poverty, this is a word for mass riches, correct? People who literally have nothing, who have the Lord, lack for nothing. Because the shepherd will provide. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord will lead me to a place where all my needs are provided for, and not just provided for, but provided for abundantly. See, we as sheep might look at our situation and go, you know what, there's so much I need, there's so much I don't have, and yet if we could view our situation through the shepherd's eyes, we would go, I have so much. I am so richly blessed. If we could take our eyes off of what I don't have or what I think I need, and we could look at all we do have, we have a place we can come every Sunday morning surrounded by brothers and sisters who share in the same God as us, who lift us up in prayer, who will be there for us in need, and how often do we think about what a blessing that is? We live in a country where, where I mean, you have to work to have nothing because there's so much to have. And God provides 
and provides abundantly. He leads me beside still waters. Another interesting fact. Flowing water. Not necessarily like a rushing river, but a fairly moving river, stream, can be a death sentence to sheep. Because, you know, if sheep's walking around, 40 pounds, 50 pounds, 60 pounds of wool on it, you throw that thing in a stream, one, you know, I don't know, you probably imagine little sheepy hooves, not wet. Making sheep not real strong swimmers. Uh, you then waterlog a sheep, it's going to sink like a rock. That water starts flowing, even if the shepherd wants to do something. I mean, bye! Sheep, for their own protection, to water them, need to be led to still water. Because should a stupid sheep, and I'm sure it happens regularly, should a stupid sheep wander into the pond, because the water further out is better, you know, it starts to get waterlogged, it starts to stink, it starts to bad. The shepherd can go, stupid sheep. He can walk in there and he can drag the sheep out. The Lord will lead you to a place of security. Not safety, not saying you will always be safe and secure, not saying you will never face dangers, because God knows all over this world we have brothers and sisters who live in situations where just by virtue of being a Christ follower, their life is endangered every single day, and yet they live in the security of God. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Pause. We're going to remove ourselves from the sheep metaphor here for a minute because, folks, I honestly don't know. I'm not going to get into whether or not sheep have souls. I just, it's not a conversation I want to have. If you think they have souls, great. If not, you go do your thing. I'm relatively certain dogs, yes. The other four footed, no souls. Anyway, he restores my soul. See, Jesus looked on these crowds and and beyond the human look, and, and I gotta imagine, I gotta imagine, because this is the way I am, he looked on these crowds, and it's like you know when you're watching a movie where, where there's a character who's just a horrible character. Or maybe like uh, if you're watching or have read uh, like a Christmas carol. And you've got Ebenezer Scrooge, and you're looking at this, this character, and the people in the story look at this character and go, what a revolting human being. And yet we, from the outside looking in, we see the backstory, and we understand what this person has been through that has led them to the point and made them who they are. And, and we see where, where the people in the story, who don't know the backstory, look and say, what a revolting human being. We can look and we can see what a horribly broken person who, who is like this only because they are so broken. 
See, when Jesus looked on these crowds, he looked beyond just the, those, those that were physically afflicted, those who were sick, those who were diseased, and he looked at all of them and just went, what an incredibly broken group of people. And he looks at us this morning and he goes, what an incredibly broken group of people. But see, the hope is, the good news in the Good Shepherd is he will restore your soul he can take that brokenness and he can mend it. He can take that brokenness and he can make it mean something. He can take that brokenness and he can do something good with it. He will restore your soul. And I guess if they have one, he can restore the soul in sheep too. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, this one is it's, it's kind of self-serving on God's behalf. God will lead his sheep as a shepherd. Shepherd has a kind of a regularly defined path. You know, they take the sheep out during the day. They take them out to a variety of fields because, think about sheep, you put a sheep in a, grass, in a field full of grass, sheep are going to eat every single blade. <laughs> sheep are going to eat sheep. Sheep will Keep eating even when they're not hungry. <laughs> Which is why, if you've ever seen like a western, you know, hey, you know, sheep herders around here, we're cattle folk. <laughs> like sheep, cattle, whatever. No, sheep will come in and they are like a plague, man. They will eat everything. So, you know, the shepherds have to kind of. Take them out, you know, we're going to go to this field, and then we're going to go up here, and then while that one's regrowing, and we're going to go over here. And they, so they have kind of regularly worn paths. God will lead us in paths of righteousness. God will lead us in paths of goodness and blessing. And it may be goodness and blessing that we, from our entitled perspectives, kind of overlook. We who wake up every morning secure, we who wake up every morning with a ready supply of food, we who have the option, first world problems people, how many of you do this thing where you can't drink the bathroom water? Because, and I swear it's a thing, the water in the bathroom tastes funny. <laughs> See, you one. We have one who's willing to admit, and like 97 more who won't because you heard my tone. Like, it's the same water. It came from the same place. It came through the same pipes. Unless you're dipping in the toilet, which is still the same water from the same pipes. It tastes the same. I can't drink bathroom water. There are brothers and sisters all over this world who are dying and live in situations of poverty and disease and death regularly because they don't have access to water. I mean, not like, oh, no, I'm choosing not to drink the water because all we have is bathroom water. No, they, you know, they would look at you and go, wait, you, you get water? From that bathroom? And that bathroom? 
and that half bath back there, and a kitchen sink, and that funny little thing on the front of the refrigerator door. You get full water from all those places. God leads you in goodness and blessing every single day. And he does it because he loves you. See, we're talking about sheep here, but you are his children. And there is no good father who is not going to provide everything his child needs. But even if his provision was not based in love, he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us in goodness and blessing so that he doesn't get a bad rep. Literally, that's what that means. As a matter of fact, God was blackmailed with his reputation one time. Moses leading the sheep out through the desert. And God just had enough. God was way past, I'm going to pull this car over. God was way past, I'm going to turn this car around. God was full blown to, I am going to kill every last single one of you. Except Moses. And Moses is like, um, or not to uh, get in the middle of things, but can I just point out that if you kill every last single one of them, not including me, for the record, it's going to look bad for you. People are going to say, you're a big meanie, and you only brought them out here so that you could kill them. And this whole loving God thing, the repetition is really going to take a hit. And God's like, fine! But I'm not making any rest stops for the next four days. So, God leads us in goodness and blessing because he loves us, but for his good name as well. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, in a broader sense, the shadow of the valley of death. The valley of death. Okay, honestly, how many of us regularly are dealing with the valley of death? See, there's one interpretation that looks at the shadow of the valley of death. This is life-ending situations. This is the constant specter of death looming over you. And for some brothers and sisters, that is certainly the case. For us in 21st century America, a little less. Here's another twist. Here's another spin. The valley of the death shadows. See, you got to remember, this is an environment that was vastly rocky and desert-like. And they're out in this terrain, this desert, where the sun just beats down. I mean, imagine it coming straight down at midday. And in this desert with, with like all this, where, where this, the, the rock, the sand is just reflecting that sunlight. And it's blinding. And your eyes have narrowed down to little pinpricks to try to limit the amount of light coming in so that you're not completely blinded. But then periodically, over here, over there, you've got overhanging rocks and crags, and it's dark, and it's shadowy. 
And it might not be pitch black normally, but with our eyes, our vision so narrow and so focused and trying to limit light, when you look at those dark shadows, it is pitch black and you can't see anything. If, if you're not with me right now, what I'm talking about is the dark place where the Jawas are hiding. <laughs> see, you just went, okay, I get it. And see, see, you could be walking through this sort of environment, and you don't know what's in that darkness. There may be absolutely nothing. Or there might be bandits ready to jump out and kill you for your shoes or sandals or whatever. I mean, this, this could be literally the Good Samaritan kind of situation. This guy traveling through this desert environment from one place to another, and he has no idea of the darkness and what is hiding, and all of a sudden these bandits just sit in on him, and before he knows it, he's like a corpse at the side of the road. Now, it's easy to look at that and go, I don't spend a lot of time traveling through the desert. And I would be looking for the glowing Java eyes, so they would never get me. <laughs> but what else is out there that you don't know about? What else is out there that's not there, but you're afraid it might be? You don't have to be. Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through a life where there are dangers, and there are obstacles, and there is stuff out there waiting for me, and 90% of it is stuff I made up in my own head, and I'm afraid of my own imagination. Folks, they say the people who live with the most anxiety and fear are those with the best imaginations. <laughs> See, because without an imagination, you can't imagine all the things that can go wrong. I have a great imagination. And I cannot tell you how much of my life has been spent fearing things. Not just like normal things, but like, you know, the stuff where my mind just took normal things and went, turned it up to 11. And even now, even this morning, there are some of you here that you have fears of the future. You have fears of what's waiting down the road. You have fears of what's what's coming next week or next month. Or you have fears about what's 20 years down the road. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to live in fear because God is walking with you and he can already see. He can already see into that darkness you imagine and he knows nothing's there. Or, if something's there, God's already on top of it going, I got this. Because see, whatever fear that you have, whatever that thing is out there that's just driving a nail through your gut, that just keeps you awake at night, remember, God is leading you in blessing and goodness and security and provision, and he's going, just leave it. I will fear no evil because he is with me. I am a dumb sheep, but the shepherd is looking after me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, there's the rod, which is like a baseball bat. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's a baseball bat. Now, okay, it's not like a baseball bat because there was no baseball, but it was like a big, heavy wood club. And if something's coming after the sheep, 
That shepherd's going to come up. He's going to jump up. He's going to grab his rod, and he's going to he's going to beat something with his rod. Now keep in mind, David, little useless, wiry, goofy, least of his brothers, David, who was the shepherd, took care of bears and lions with a rod. Bears and lions with a baseball bat. <laughs> what can your God do with a baseball bat? <laughs> but see, there's also comfort in the fact that he has a staff. And this is kind of what we imagine, envision as the, as the, the traditional kind of shepherd's crook, you know, the hook over the end. And this is kind of used to provide guidance and direction. Um, which means when the sheep won't go where the shepherd wants them to go, he'll whack them in the butt with a stick. <laughs> yes, there will be times we as dumb sheep need to be whacked in our butt with a stick. But when God does it, it's a light hook. It's an easy thing. It's sort of a, oh, right, got it, I'm moving. <laughs> and the fact that he has that rod for our protection and he has that staff for our guidance should be a source of comfort to us. See, there's like a hundred other comparisons between us and sheep. There's a hundred other things we could go on about why God, why Jesus is not just the shepherd, but he is the good shepherd. But can you see the comparison? Can you see the sheepness in you? And can you see why you need the good shepherd? As dumb as sheep may be, and again, I am going to maintain personally, sheep are stupid. S-T-O-O-P-I-T. Stupid. Sheep have this one advantage on us. See, the reason you don't leave sheep alone, the reason there should always be at least one shepherd left with the sheep, is because sheep know the shepherd's voice. Amen. Sheep, these stupid, prone to wander, Easily getting lost creatures know the shepherd's voice and they will move to him. When the shepherd, shepherd when the shepherd calls out to the sheep, they hear his voice, they know his voice, and they respond to his voice. <clears throat> my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. My sheep hear my voice. They know me. And I, I know them. And they follow me. <laughs> as stupid and clumsy and defenseless and goofy and sheep-like as we may be. There is a good shepherd who watches over us. 
shepherd who calls to us. There is a good shepherd who says, Come to me, and I will take care of the rest. And see, lots of us here have this vision, that this understanding that following the good shepherd means I made a decision one time. The shepherd called me, and I came one time. I walked down an aisle. I said a prayer. But see, sheep, even dumb sheep, know that when the shepherd calls, they have to respond every single time. The good shepherd calls to you this morning. You responded. You said, hey, God's going to be at church. I want to be there where he is. But you know what? Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, the Good Shepherd is going to call to you then. And the next day, the Good Shepherd is going to call to you then. And each day, for the rest of your life on earth and beyond, the Good Shepherd is going to call to you. And unlike sheep, who would never imagine not responding to the Shepherd's voice, you have to choose each and every day of your life, sometimes multiple times throughout the days of your life, to respond to the Good Shepherd's call. Or to go and be your own little sheep. I want to encourage you this morning and this afternoon and tonight and every day and every moment for the rest of your existence in this plane and beyond to listen to to search for, to respond to the Good Shepherd's call. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Father, we just come to you now and we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for each one that you brought here this morning. We thank you for setting the appointment to meet with us. We just pray, Father, there can be no doubt that you have shared something with each one of us. You have planted a seed in the heart and spirit of each one here this morning. I just pray that you give us the wisdom and the discernment and the understanding to know what it is you shared with us this morning. To understand what it is you called us to. To understand what it is you asked of us. And then I pray, Father, that you would give us the strength and the courage and the faithfulness to respond and to follow after your voice. As we go from this place, Father, help us in each moment of our life to actively search for your voice. Actively search out what it is you're calling us to. Actively search out what it is you're calling us to do. To go. To be. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. And may you go from this place in the presence of the Good Shepherd. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.